Good morning. Welcoming in the morning devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. And you say, who is that little adorable thing sitting in your lap? Well, this is Coco. Some of you have been praying for Charlie. Shasha got two little puppies for her birthday, one from Sister Bev and I and one from EJ. Well, this was EJ's beautiful present for Sean, her birthday this year. And Coco, as you know, has had parvo. Well, he's home from the vet and he's doing good, but we need to keep these two puppies separated for a little bit. So if you begin to hear all these wonderful little sounds or you hear me, you watch me jump because somebody has been chewing on my toes, that's this cute little thing called Coco. And she's so dark, you can't even see her unless she opens her mouth and smiles at you and sticks her tongue out. Yeah. So say hi to everybody. Well, the joys of puppyhood. And you know I love dogs. So this practicing my grandfatherness with this puppy is not going to be a difficult thing. She slept in the bed with us last night. Okay, so you get down now. There we go. So if you hear all kinds of delightful noises or you see me jump, you'll know what's going on. Puppy is having a wonderful time with my toes. Well, it's a brand new week, brothers and sisters. And some of you are going, oh, Pastor Summerall, I wish this thing was over. I do too. But it will be well with you. It will be well with you. God will make all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So please, please just understand your heavenly father he's got this for you all right and you can just relax father we come to you this morning in jesus name and father more than anything else we pray for strength of soul we pray for stability of our souls with all that is going on there are many lord that have gotten weary with this and they've grown discouraged but lord you are the god of eternal encouragement lift their heads today you are the god who lifts our heads Lift the heads of your sons and daughters today, Lord, and put your encouragement deep within their hearts. Lord, by the power of the Holy Ghost, fill them with all joy and peace and mix it all together with the joy of the Lord. And Father, in Jesus' name, let hope be restored. Let them begin to understand we may not know how it's going to be good, but it's going to be good. It's going to end in praise, and we thank you for it, Father. I pray for all of our seniors, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let your hand rest upon them. Let there be no fear, Lord. Let there be no fear in the name of Jesus. No fear. You have promised to satisfy them with a long life and a life worth living. And we thank you, Lord, that whatever goes on in the circumstances around us, whatever happens in the spirit realm around us, doesn't change your promises and doesn't change your faithfulness and doesn't change your plans and purposes for our lives. Oh, Father, we lift our hearts and worship to you today. Many of our brothers and sisters, Lord, are going to work. They say transportation will be better with some jeepneys and some buses beginning to operate today. But Lord, whatever happens, Make a way where there is no way. Let them get to work. Let them get home easily tonight, Father, so that they can rest and be with their families. Father, we kind of got spoiled getting to spend all that time with our families. And now with traffic taking it away from us, makes it kind of hard. Father, make it so they can get home quickly tonight to be with the ones that they love. Receive our worship today, Father. Father, for the frontliners, they're still seeing horrible things every day. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let your hand rest upon them. Let the angels guard them in all their ways. And Father, I thank you for your hand of protection upon their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
in the drive-in services yesterday, and there will be drive-in services again next Saturday, 7.30, Sunday, 7.30, and Sunday, 9.30. Please, if you would like a slot, please call your district pastor or your campus pastor and reserve that slot. But I want to remind you of what I said yesterday. I know it's grown weary with this thing lasting so long, and every time I start to get really frustrated with it, I'll tell you what I do. I type in on my computer, COVID-19 Brazil. Brazil, COVID-19. And I look at the latest death toll in Brazil. Now, they didn't enter into this thing until partway through April. So just in the last couple of months, over 50,000 people have died, mostly in their capital city. Now, brothers and sisters, when you look at that, can you imagine the mass graves of Manila? Their government decided to do absolutely nothing about it. They said it's just like the flu. 50,000 people dead and growing every hour. I know we've had a thousand, over a thousand people die and every soul matters. Please, I don't belittle a thousand. But thank God, not 50,000. I can imagine the cry of the families of our, of our nation with 50,000 dead. I can imagine the despair on the faces of our Kabbalion. Please, you get discouraged, look up COVID-19 Brazil and say, Father, thank you. Thank you for our nation and thank you for leaders. Yes, they may not know what they're doing. and <laughs> We freely admit it. Nobody knows what they're doing in the middle of this. So please, maybe they haven't done a perfect job, but this sure beats Brazil, brothers and sisters. Encourage yourself in the Lord. All right, Psalms 91. Let's remember our spiritual foundation of protection during this time. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the other, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship this morning.
another beautiful testimony to encourage you about how God still makes a way where there is no way. Hello, COP. My name is Sharon Mababa. I'm from COP, Maine, a choir member of River of Life Choir and Home Connect Leader. Earlier this year, God gave us the desire na magkaroon ng business. So when Pastor Samral asked for people na gusto magka-business this year, we decided to uh, go in front of the altar para i-pag-pray ni Pastor Samral. Then, dumating nga yung pandemic, uh, so we give up on our plan na magka-business this year. Pero our God is faithful. God gave us the idea na magbenta ng mga fans from hobby to business. Ngayon po, two weeks pa lang po yung business namin. And we already sold 922 items of gardening materials. COP, don't give up on your plans. Uh, lalo na kung yung planong yun ay pinangako sa'yo ng Panginoon. Sabi nga po sa 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So kahit ano po pong season, kahit pangit pa yung season, kahit pangit pa yung economy natin, nothing can stop the will of God. Amen. Well, yesterday in your devotions, you read about the death of Herod eaten by worms. You saw Paul and Barnabas sent out. And I would just throw in here, never, never go to a church where the pastor just went out. Only attend churches where the pastor was sent out. There's spiritual laws there that you have to remember, but we don't have time to get into that. Uh, Barnabas and Saul went first to Cyprus, where Barnabas had grown up. He was a Cypriot Jew. They ran into the uh, Jewish false prophet, Bar-Jesus. We know all of that story. And now we pick up with verse 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. Now I want you to notice, before this point, it was Barnabas and Saul. After this encounter with Bar-Jesus and this demonstration of, of spiritual authority flowing from Paul, now I want you to notice it's Paul and his companions. So the order has changed. It seems that his gifts have making a way for him. And his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Now, in later writings, we'll see that he actually deserted them. Now, we need to understand the situation. They left Paphos on the island of Cyprus, and they came over to Perga. Perga would be the port city in Pamphylia. And they were going to go up the mountain then to what we call the Galatian Plateau. Now, that mountain pass in the ancient world was considered one of the most dangerous treks that you could do, and it was a very hard trek. It was, it was a very difficult and a very dangerous journey. And John looked, took one look at that. John Mark took one look at that and said, nope, I'm going home to Mama in Jerusalem. And later on, the scriptures tell us he deserted them. He deserted the work. Now, you know, brothers and sisters, first of all, he never should have been there. He was not a member of the team that the Holy Spirit had chosen. He just went along with his cousin Barnabas. But now he deserts. Now, I want to throw in something here that you need to understand. He was a young man that had grown up in prosperity. His mother would have been Mary, who owned the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus and the apostles spent a lot of time. And, and even after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, when we saw the other day Peter was arrested, everybody gathered together at Mary's house in the Garden of Gethsemane for prayer. I mean, this was, 
This was a large facility. It was a very familiar facility to all of the apostles and to the early Christians. And John grew up in that. He would have been the young man who ran away in the night and left his sheep behind and fled naked at the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He'd been awakened by the commotion. Now, he deserted. He ran away. Now, let me just throw an application out here. Sometimes there's an advantage to growing up poor. And you say, how can there be an advantage of growing up poor? Well, sometimes when you grow up poor, you know that you can do things and you know you're going to survive. You know you, you've, you've gone through hardship, you've had to push yourself in hard times, and you know you can do it. Sometimes growing up in prosperity, young people, you've never, you've never really seen what you're capable of doing. You don't know what you're capable of. And this was the problem with John Mark. He deserted. Now, his prosperity caused a decision that hindered his future because he did not want to face the hardship of that horrible journey. And that decision defined his future. Now, he, he did have a future later. Peter, who had been a friend of his mother and had watched him grow up as a boy, gave him another chance and he traveled with Peter. And he did have limited ministry. Okay. But he never became what he could have become. Because when he looked at one season of sacrifice, one season of hardship, he just couldn't do it. Now, now, young people, I want to challenge you. There are going to be seasons of hardship, seasons of sacrifice. Don't run away. Don't desert the work of the Lord. Don't desert what God has called you to do because you look ahead at one season of hardship. You can go through this. You will not die. You will survive. God is with you. Remember, that decision is going to a large extent to find your future. But they went on from Ferga and came to Antioch and Poseidon. Now, this is not Antioch of Assyria where they came from. It's Antioch of Poseidon. It's a major city up on the Galatian Plateau. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. Now, notice they took a very humble position. They didn't go and say, look at who we are. And after reading the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioned with his hand. He said, now notice, Paul was invited. He was not expecting, he was not demanding, he was invited. Men of Israel, and you who fear God, so there's the Jews and the God-fearers like Cornelius, and you who fear God, these are the Gentiles, the God-fearers, listen, the God of this, of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. I like that made them great while they were in Egypt. <laughs> he did not make a bunch of slaves. He made them great. Now, even when they were slaves, they were great. He put greatness in them. Ah, okay. Made them great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. <laughs> he put up with them in the wilderness. Did you hear that? Now remember, when we read back there in Deuteronomy, and we read back there in, in Exodus, they did not make any sacrifices of worship. They did not circumcise their children. They worshipped the gods of the sun. They had all their false gods. 
that that 40 years was a difficult time for God because he's waiting for the next generation to come up. And now while he's waiting for the next generation to come up, he puts up with the people for 40 years. Ah. He put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Now, there is an incredible testimony. Brothers and sisters, it is irrelevant what people say about you. This is what you want God to say about you. It's irrelevant. I mean, people can say every kind of a lie or every kind of a slander they can say about you, but this is the testimony that you want. I have found in Juan, I have found in Juanita, the son of Jesse, a man, a woman, after my own heart, who will do all my will. But you say, Pastor, remember Bathsheba? Yeah. For about three months of his life, he messed up. But a little season of mess up does not destroy his reputation in the heart of God. That is forgiven. Of this man's offspring, God brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John had finished his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God. So he said, listen, I'm talking to Israel, talking to the descendants of Abraham, and I'm talking to the God-fearers, the Gentiles. To us, notice, not just to the Jew, to us, to the Jew and to the Gentile, has been sent the message of this salvation. The message was not just to the Israelites the Jew, and to the Gentile. To those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which I read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree. Now notice tree, not a, a piece of architectural furniture, from a tree, cursed is he who hangs on a tree, and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news, that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten thee. As for the fact that he was raised from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. Now, one of the things you have to understand about Jesus' body, for those days in the tomb, not one cell decayed. There was no necrosis. There was no rot, no death in Jesus' physical body. You need to get a hold of that. 
He's the author of life. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. He rotted. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. All right, now let's stop there. We've talked about the corruption. Now look at, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation. Let me encourage you, seniors. Have you done everything God has purposed for you to do? No? Well, then don't worry about dying, okay? You're not going to die until you have served the purpose of God in your generation. God has a purpose for my life. Not done yet. I'm only 63 years old. God's not done yet. You see, at some point in life, you've got to realize there is no retirement from God's plans and purposes for your life. You can retire from BPI. You can retire from Ayala Corporation. You can retire from SM. But you don't retire from the plans and purposes of God for your life. You don't go to heaven until you have served the purpose of God in your own generation. Don't fear death. God's not done with you yet. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. I like that. Forgiveness of sins. That's something that you preach. You preach forgiveness of sin. <laughs> oh, you just need to get a hold of that. See, that's part of the gospel, that you can be forgiven of your sin. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. So, all right, there's two things here. There's forgiveness of sin, and then there's freedom from the power of sin. Memorizing the scripture, learning the law of Moses cannot, cannot set you free from the power of sin, cannot break the bondage of sin off of your life. That's what Jesus does. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells, you, tells it to you. And they went out. And the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. They said, hey, would you stay next week and, and on Shabbat teach us again? And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism, these are the God-fearers, followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke to them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. So many of these people were believers that day. Many of these people gave their lives to Christ this day. And now they are urged, and notice the name first, Paul is first, Barnabas is second, so notice the order has changed. Paul is the leader now. Before, Barnabas was the leader. And Barnabas was humble enough to accept this. So sometimes you just got to understand, sometimes there's not a problem with stepping into the second seat. There's not a problem in that. Urge them to continue in the grace of God. Uh, sometimes you have to look at people and go, hey, continue in the grace. You were forgiven by grace. <laughs> Your life was changed by grace. Not by works, not by memorization. Your life was changed by grace. Continue in the grace of God. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Oh, 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 o
anybody see you? Does anybody feel your pain? Does anybody know you? Does anybody feel the same? Does anybody want you? Is there a place you belong? Does anybody love you? Or maybe it's been so long I'm telling you that you are not Well, yesterday in your devotions, you again continued the story of bad kings, good kings. You saw Manasseh, a very, very wicked king. And now today, we pick up with Josiah, who's a very good king. Second Kings chapter 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jediah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozak. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left 
Now, again, here we come back to patterns that have been laid down, family patterns. And every person has to decide what pattern they're going to follow. He chose to follow the family pattern of his ancestor, King David. Now, sometimes you and I have to look around and make decisions for our life. And this is what he did. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent to Shaphan. Now, notice he's eight years old. Ten years later, King Josiah, the king, sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the secretary, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. And let it be given into the hand of workmen who have oversight over the house of God. And let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house, that it is, to the carpenters and to the builders and to the masons. And let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly. Now, can you imagine construction people so honest that they did not even ask an accounting? Ah, that's a dream. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Now notice, with all these bad kings, the law of God had been lost. Now can you imagine? Remember, first of all, there's no printed press like we have today. Every copy, every Torah scroll was hand-copied onto another lambskin scroll, okay? And it's disappeared. It's gone. See, one of the, the problems with wickedness is wickedness always erases the law of God. It's one of the things that you find. People don't even know the Bible. I mean, how many families have we known in our lives? They know nothing about the Bible growing up. It, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing how wickedness removes the law of God. They found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. So as they began to repair it, now when you see the things that are in the house of God, you'll understand how wicked God's, God's temple had become a temple of demons. But as they began to repair it, they found, they found the law of Moses. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of God. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah. Now this is an 18-year-old young man. 18-year-old boy. 18 years old. And he hears the word of God. He tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Akiham the son of Shaphan, and Akbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the secretary, and Asaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that has kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written in it concerning us. Listen to the decisions an 18-year-old boy is making. Young people, excuse me, it's time for some adulting. So Hilkiah, the priest, and Ahikam, and Akbor, and Shephan, and Asaiah went to Huldah the prophetess. 
And ladies, there's another great woman of God in ministry. The wife of Shalom, the son of Piva, the son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. Now, she has a husband. They don't go to her husband. They go to her. She's a prophetess. Please, don't, don't let women, don't, don't let people take ministry away from you because of their, their male bigotry. It's not biblical. Now, she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter. And they talked to her. And she said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon his inhabitants. All the words of the book that are the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore my wrath is kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of me, thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, and that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you will be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I bring upon this place. And they brought the word back to the king. So he had a 31-year reign of peace because his heart was repentant. Now, we never see that the people changed. Let me say that again. We never see that the people changed. But Josiah was trying to do things right. Chapter 23, verse 1. Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great, and he read in their hearing. Notice, he read. Did you hear that? He read. The king stood before them. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. He read the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He read. To walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his covenants and his commandments and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that are written in this book. And all the people joined in that covenant. Now notice, all the people joined in the covenant, but did they live it? We'll see later. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the keepers of the threshold, to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal, for Asherah, and for the host of heaven. Do you hear that? See, one of the things you're going to find is the devil always wants to take over God's place. From his very first, very first, the, the famous I wills of Satan, I will sit enthroned on God's throne, on the holy mountain. From the very first time of Satan's revelation of who he was, he always wants to take over what belongs to God's. Now, if you ever wonder why I'm very protective of the house of God, and we don't do secular concerts, and we don't rent it out for all that kind of stuff, forgive me. We have to keep God's house for God, because the devil brings stuff in. 
And notice, in God's house, there were vessels for Baal and for the Asherah and for all the hosts of heaven. They brought things to worship these demon gods into God's house. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he, depo- and he deposed the priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings on the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem, and those who burned incense to Baal and to the sun and the moon. Sun and the moon, these were people who worshipped the gods of uh, Egypt and the constellations and all the hosts of the heavens. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of God outside Jerusalem to the brook Kidron. And he burned it at the brook Kidron and beat it into dust and cast the dust of it on the graves of the common people. And he broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord. Now, that's homosexual as well as bisexual. I mean, these are, these are bi-directional prostitutes, male prostitutes who had sex with men and sex with women in the house of the Lord. Now just let that settle into you for a minute. The devil always wants God's house to be desecrated. Where the women wove hangings are the Asherah. They, they worship this. You have to understand, an Asherah is like a giant male erection sexual organ and they bow down and worship it. Nasty. And he brought out the priests out of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had made offerings, from Geba to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places of the gates that were at the entrance at the gates of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on one's left at the gate of the city. However, the priests of the high places did not come up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread in, with, among their brothers. And he defiled the Topheth, that is in the valley of the son of Heman, that no one may burn his son or daughter as an offering to Molech. And he removed the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun at the entrance of the house of the Lord. So they put up statues of horses. Remember, horses and chariots came from Egypt, the sun worshippers. Dedicated to the sun at the entrance to the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech the chamberman, which was in the precincts. And he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. So they they had redecorated the temple of God and given different sections of God's temple to all these demon gods and put up all of the articles for worship of them. And the altars on the roof of the upper chambers of Aphaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars that Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Those fake altars, remember we read about? They're torn down. And he broke them into pieces and cast the dust of them into the brook Kidron. And the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built for Asherah, the abomination of the Sidonians. Now notice, he's even tearing down things that go all the way back to Solomon. Hundreds of years ago. And for Chamos, the abomination of Moab, and for Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And he broke into pieces the pillars and cut down the Asherim and filled their places with the bones of men. Moreover, the altar of Bethel, the high place erected by Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, that altar with the high place he pulled down and burned, reducing it to dust. That's one of those golden calf places. 
He also burned the Asherah. And as Joshua, as Josiah turned, he saw the tombs on the mount. And he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it, according to the word that the man of the word of the Lord, the man of God proclaimed, who had predicted these things. Remember, we read about the altar will be smashed and bones burned about it. And the men of the city told him, It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted these things that you have done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, Let him be, let no man move his bones. So they let his bones alone, but the bones of the prophet who came out of Samaria. And Josiah removed all the shrines also of the high places in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made, provoking the Lord to anger. And he did to them according to all that he had had done at Bethel. And he sacrificed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars. And he burned human bones on them. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Wow. Now, this 18-year-old young man went on a crusade to remove the abominations from the land of Israel. This is an absolutely amazing young man. Just absolutely. I mean, he's going back hundreds of years. He's tearing down and defiling temples that Solomon made. It's an amazing young man. Verse 21. And the king commanded all the people, keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of the covenant. For no such Passover has been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel. Hundreds of years. Or during the days of the kings of Israel or the kings of Judah. So in the 18th year of Josiah, this Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem. 18 years old, and this man shakes up a nation. And not just the two tribes, the entire area of the 12 tribes. Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. Now what a testimony of God about a young man. What a testimony. Young people, now there's someone to follow that you are zealous for God and you change everything that needs to be changed. That's an amazing testimony. Now we get to a confusing verse. Verse 26, Still the Lord did not turn from the burning of his great wrath by which his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations which Manasseh, the king you read about yesterday, had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah out of my sight, as I have removed Israel. And I will cast off this city that I have chosen Jerusalem, and the house of which I have said, my name shall be there. Just say, Pastor, everything had repented. Everything had changed. I think what you will find is that Josiah and some of the top leaders changed. But I think what you will find is the people didn't change. You cannot legislate revival. You can force people by law to do things, but hearts weren't changed. Now, the people entered into a covenant, but I don't think they ever kept that covenant. I just think they took things secret. 
The only person we hear who the Bible says humbled his heart and was penitent or repentant was this 18-year-old king. So God made great promises to him. But the people, can I make a challenge to you? You need to understand, just because you're doing what somebody tells you to do, doesn't mean it comes from your heart. When change comes, let change touch your heart so that it flows from inside of you. Repentance always brings blessing. Just, well, I'm going to do it because I have to, because the king will kill me if I don't. That doesn't bring blessings from God. Verse 28. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Judah? In his days, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went up to the king of Assyria, to the river Euphrates. King Josiah went to meet him, and Pharaoh Necho killed him at Megiddo as soon as he saw him. And his servants carried him dead in a chariot from Megiddo and brought him to Jerusalem to be buried in his own tomb. And all the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him, and made him king in his father's place. Jehoahaz was twenty-three years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, look at this. Josiah, a good man. But he can't make people change their hearts even his own son. His son did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. And Pharaoh Necho put him in bonds in Riblah in the land of Hamath, that he might not reign in Jerusalem, and laid on the land a tribute of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. And Pharaoh Necho made Elikim, the son of Josiah, the son of Josiah, king in place of Josiah his father and changed his name to Jehoiakim. And he took Jehoahaz away, and he came to Egypt and died there. And Jehoiakim gave the silver and gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land to give the money according to the command of Pharaoh. And he exacted the silver and the gold of the people of the land from everyone according to his assessment to give it to Pharaoh Necho. Now again, one of the great takeaways from this Old Testament passage today is a leader's repentance doesn't change the people's heart, even his own son's heart. Every heart has to know its own repentance. Repentance is a gift. And the other great takeaway is, young people, an 18-year-old young man revolutionized the nation. Couldn't change the hearts of the nation, but revolutionized the nation. Young people, never look down upon your youth. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock.